And I am Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of. It's the podcast where two best friends finally hold each other accountable for all those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. We're back after a month of not-so-spooky stories, and this week we are following up, I guess, spiritually, spiritually, <laughs> um, to last week's Halloween Town uh, with another Debbie Reynolds feature, in this case her debut, 1952's Singing in the Rain. Yeah, I didn't know it was her debut. That's really cool. It was her debut. She was 19 years old while filming. Damn! Okay, before we get into all of that, <laughs> before we get into it, before we get into that, um, I am going to take the spotlight for a spotlight swap real quick. Um, Hold on real quick. Oh, yeah. It's been so long since we recorded that I actually also, I was like, oh, man, it's my pick. I also have to prepare a spotlight swap. So I have one ready for next week. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, yeah, we recorded all the October ones far in advance. So, like, this is our first time recording in, in like, a, a month. month. This is crazy. It's, it's why nice I was able to watch you. seven seasons of Supernatural last month because I didn't have to <laughs> occupy my brain space with literally anything else. I'm on season 13, in case anyone was wondering. Yeah. I'm so, you're doing so well. You're almost there. Almost there. Almost there. Okay, go ahead. It's your turn now. <laughs> um, I missed your face. So I have two, but we'll go by them pretty quickly. So <laughs> the first one, I'm going to spotlight a type of bird. <laughs> I'm so excited. Is the American coot. Have I talked to you oh. about these before? No, I was going to make a joke, but oh, it's like my grandpa. But I felt mean to my grandpa, who also was an American, so that, that <laughs> joke didn't really hold. Um, so an American coot is, I, I did a little bit of research on it, and then I was like, eh, I'll just talk about how I just like it. Um, so it usually hangs around in ponds. I'm going to get Emma to, like, post it on the Twitter or something so people can see what they are. They are just... They're usually, like, by themselves. I've only really seen one or two of them together. But recently, I've been going on my long walks, and I've been seeing, like, groups of, like, hundreds of them. And I'm like, what's going on? But these ducks are... Not ducks. I'm just going to call them birds because, like, it's kind of a gray area if they're a duck or not. Um, but they... They're, like, these black, like, circular almost type birds. And they have these beady eyes. But their feet don't look like duck feet like they're not webbed they look like they look like they're from a cartoon it's almost like they were dinosaurs that like they wanted to evolve but then they're like yeah but i'm gonna keep my feet and they're like yeah yeah that's fine anywho please if you've never seen a photo of them please just look them up they kind of look like they're from a nightmare but they're also just funny looking and like i was like are they cute or goofy and then you said nightmare which i think is actually the preferable option at all times <laughs> Exactly. And when they, like, when they're swimming, they kind of, like, bob their head. It's just great. Please look it up. So that's my first one I want to talk about. Excellent. American um, cute. The other one is something that we've probably referenced a bunch of times. Um, but I finally, today, I finished re-listening to it for the fourth time. One of their things. But it is the podcast The Adventure Zone. Um, <laughs> it... If me, like, Emma introduced me to The Adventure Zone, I believe it was the first ever podcast I ever listened to. We were, like, nice. in, waiting for our fairy, not fairies, where, where, Jenny, we were waiting for our flights back from Disney World, and you were, like, you were listening to a podcast, and you're, like, you should listen to a podcast. You're, like, oh, this is oh, what I want to. Oh, I don't remember that. That's how I introduced you to it. I didn't remember that part at all. Yeah, and so I just finished listening to the balance arc for the fourth time and nice. if you haven't if you're 
if you haven't listened to it, please listen to it. If you are into like RPG or adventures, like it is the best. They have a bunch of different arcs they've do- they've done. They have three main arcs that are out, and they have some mini arcs and stuff. But Balance has has such a special place in my heart. Um, and like I have all, they've made comic books for them. They've like there's I think still a TV show in the works for it, and it's it just is currently in development at Peacock. Yeah, it's just so exciting. And like right now, graduation is the current arc that they're on, and the last episode that's come out, I really enjoyed. I just it's so good. Are you gonna say something? Oh, I was, but I was gonna let you finish talking first. No. I interrupted you. I was say like, one thing that was like really wild to me is that like I started listening to I started listening to the Adventure Zone like, just a couple weeks before the balance finale came out, so I was still catching up, but, like, seeing full react to the finale and being like, oh, I don't even know what this means yet. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like a lot of people, like, got in after balance was ended, because, like, it was a, it's an incredibly popular podcast, so, but, like, people are obviously still finding it. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing that's really interesting to me, it's, like, for a lot of people, I think they had trouble making the leap to the second and third major arcs that they've done, because mm. it's a transition from having the entire thing available to you at once, yes. to listening to it week to week, and then what is truly wild is I recently met someone, or was talking to someone, and they were like, oh yeah, I listened to Balance, or to Taz as well, and I talked about how much I love Balance and how I have a Balance fanny pack. We have matching fanny we packs, do. Jenny and I. <laughs> um, it was a saga on <laughs> Um, and he was like, oh, I actually haven't listened to Balance. I started listening to Graduation and haven't gone to Balance yet. And I was like, oh, what? You can do that? That was really wild to me. But yeah. I think it just speaks to, like, the strength of the McElroy's as storytellers and to the freedom of D&D and, like, how you want to run your campaign and how much you want to adhere to the rules and what kind of story you want to tell that you can tell all these yes. different narratives and have them be, like, wildly different and still appeal to a large audience. Exactly. Like, I almost straight up brought just Dungeons and Dragons as my spotlight, but then I was like, I can't because I may actually bring it as, like, a whole thing one time. I don't know. We'll see. Because, like... I feel like you could do that because I didn't really play Dungeons and Dragons. I usually play Monster of the Week. Exactly. But I was like, this is just a spotlight. So I just wanted to say, like, because Adventure Zone got me really into Dungeons and Dragons. Like, me and Emma, like, I remember we played it once in, like, 2013, and that was it. And then... I miss those I, characters. I don't remember what their names were, but I miss them every day. Right? It, which is something that has become a large part of my life now. So I just want to thank the Backroys for introducing me into this exciting adventure that they made it seem not scary to play, and they made it seem fun, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good story, hence why we do this podcast, like, <laughs> learning about stuff. So, like, Yeah. So I just want everyone to, to, to know about it, and I just want to say thank you to them. But that it's yeah. it's so good because I feel like for, obviously like Dungeons and Dragons has reached so much further into the mainstream than it did ten years ago, even five yeah. years ago. And I think for a lot of the people, it was like my like kind of like last bastion of nerddom. You're like I'm a nerd, but I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. And now it's like no, I do play Dungeons and Dragons, and I love every minute of it. One hundred percent. Like I'm currently in three campaigns right now. Like so many. <laughs> It's, yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about Singing the Rain as it has just started to pour rain where I am Perfect, perfect thematic (laughs) relevancy. Yes. Um, So, uh, before I launch into my spiel about, like, why I love it, Jenny, had you heard of Singing in the Rain before? That's the name of our show. Have you heard of Singing in the Rain? 
I, I've never seen it, but I have heard about it. It's very, like, culturally significant in a lot of things. Like, it's referenced quite a lot. Like, the singing in the rain, I automatically think of Tom Holland in the lip sync battle. Oh, my God. I actually <laughs> forgot about that in all of this, and that is an, <laughs> an iconic performance. And so... I, that's pretty much all I know, ex- knew, except for when I watched this movie, I realized I actually knew more than I thought I did. <laughs> like, there's some slugs that come out, it was like, that's, that's from this? Oh, is that, wait, I recognize this, but I've never actually, like, seen it before, so. But I knew it was important to not only musical theater, but to film and to the era and also to you. <laughs> It's very significant to me, so now I'm going to launch into my whole little spiel. Um, (laughs) So Singing in the Rain is basically the story of a young ingenue falls in love with a already established successful actor, and her star rises as his kind of falls. And this is a story you see in like a lot of movies, like A Star is Born times four, like The Artist. Um, I first discovered it, I don't even remember the first time I watched it, but I do know that when I was three or four, definitely pre-kindergarten, three or four, I had a Singing in the Rain theme birthday party. Hell yeah. Like, this has been my favorite movie since I knew what a consciously what a movie was. Um, I, my mom made me a little version of Kathy Seldon's pink dress and, like, wrist thing when she jumps out of the cake. Oh, yeah. Um, And so there's, like, a framed photo that my parents have of me playing musical chairs in my little dress, and I look so, so happy. Oh. Um... So this is just, like, one of my favorite movies, and it was always one where it was on TV a lot, and we had it on VHS, we had it on DVD, but it was, like, this rule of thumb, or just, like, this general rule of, if you see it on TV, you don't watch it on TV because there are commercials, but you do go grab the VHS and the DVD and put it on. So, like, I would watch this movie easily, at least, I I don't, I've said this before, too, I don't generally rewatch things, and then this year has been, like, a real shift in that for me, both Mm. because I've been rewatching shows for this, Rewatching shows and movies for this, and I've also just been rewatching more movies in general. I do a movie night once a week uh, with my sister, where we pretty much always pick movies one of us has already seen before. So it's a lot of rewatching. I've also, as I mentioned again, been rewatching all of Supernatural, and I think it's just that like comfort thing. Yeah. But a lot of times I do get played out of movies. Like they just once I see them and I know them back and forth, I'm like, this doesn't hold any new interest for me. Singing mm. in the Rain isn't like that. Like, I was watching it last night, and I was like, I can predict every line, every musical beat, every dance move. Like, I know this movie front to back, and I never get tired of it because it's just such a spectacular example of the golden era movie musical. Um, it's something that I find has been, like, a recurring professional criticism of, like, different reviewers in our latest set of movie, movie, movie musicals, things like Cats and Into the Woods, mm. and I don't know, I would say anything like past like Chicago in 2002, Hairspring 2007, once you get past 2007, the dancers in movies are doing incredible choreography, and the cinematography of the film is not allowing you to revel in that showmanship. Uh, in the physical prowess that these dancers and performers have. Like, it's a lot of fast, flashy camera movements instead of just being like, here's a shot, look at what these performers can do. Mm. And Singing in the Rain comes out at a time and is directed, co-directed by Gene Kelly, who was also the choreographer, also the star, and it's, like, people who were known for being their dancers. Yeah. So this movie came out in 1952. I'm just going to run through, like, my whole little intro, because, again, like, this is... because I didn't look up anything. So I have no idea. So it was released in 1952, directed and choreographed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donen, uh, starring Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds uh, of 
Halloween Town, also fame, uh, in her film debut, Donald O'Connor, Gene Hagen, and Sid Charisse, who is the dancer in the Broadway Melody montage, mm. which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yep. Um, and Sid Charisse is also someone who is known for her dance, Donald O'Connor, also again, known for his dancing and his physical comedy. Like, these are all people who are known for their physical work, even mm. though it comes out, like... In an age after talkies have existed now for a couple decades, the movie's set in 1927 at a time when actors were all physical performance and not vocal training or even really, like, subtle emotions. It was all about conveying everything with your body, mm. and this movie really embodies that. Um, yeah, it was a, a relatively successful movie. I think it was, like, the 10th grossest... Uh, highest grossing movie in the U.S., but in terms of box office, it was like just okay. It made seven point two million dollars, which today is in total, which today is like seventy seventy one million U.S. Mm-hmm. So, like not bad, but like especially now that we're so uh, used to blockbusters that break a billion, seventy million seems like short change. Um, but it was a pretty. It re- received a few awards, but mostly nominations. Gene Hagen, who plays Lena, was nominated for an Oscar for it, and it was nominated for I think Best Original Score, and that was it in terms of Academy Awards. Mm. Um, so that's like this is an intro to Singing in the Rain. We'll talk about the plot as we go on. And I definitely have a few other anecdotes I want to share about trivia, but that's just like the intro. And what I love about it is that it's the musical numbers. It's funny, in the, in the opening credits, it says Singing in the Rain, based, inspired by the song. And that is something where you can tell that the music came before the movie did. They built the plot of the movie around the songs. They wrote all the songs mm-hmm. first as showpieces for Gene Kelly, for Donald O'Connor, for Sid Charisse. And then we're like, now we do the plot. <laughs> yeah, I... The only reason why I know that is because... So I own this on VHS because I do. And I think I bought it for you on VHS and was oh, like, one yeah. day you'll love this. I'm pretty sure you gave it to me for, like, Christmas one year. Or something. Because like, Jenny has this. a working VHS. And then and I, I never like, did. I saw it. <laughs> but now. But oh, now no. you have to. And at the end of the DVD, it had, like, a behind the scenes about the making of it. Oh, so watched, that's cool. Yeah. So I watched, like, maybe five minutes of it and I was like I don't want to spoil what Emma's going to tell me so I stopped so they were saying how like they they were approached of like making a musical based off of this music and I was like oh I like had no idea for example all I do is think of you I'm like is that <laughs> like famous because of singing the rain or was it famous beforehand so I was like I, so- I don't know where that is anymore but at the same when it happened I was like wait this is from this because, like, I, of course I know the Michael Bublé version of that song. So I'm like, oh! I didn't know that Michael Bublé did a version of this song. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so these were original songs for the movie. They just, like, were written as songs. So it's not a musical in the way that you have, like, an I Want song, a Villain's Intent song, a ballad. It's it's mm. songs that the, do relate to how the characters are feeling, but it's not driving the plot forward. Ah, I see. The music is there as a showpiece, but it's not like it's not the music is not conveying part of the plot really. I didn't even think about it that way, but you're correct because like I feel like a lot of modern day musicals very much are the songs are essential to it, and I think that's because a lot of people can't go and see Broadway, so a lot of people experience the storytelling just through the soundtrack, and so you Mm -hmm. need to convey the whole thing through the soundtrack. And with Singing in the Rain, I guess. That is true. If you take, if you just do the songs, I guess there's like some things going on, but you wouldn't really know what's happening at all. <laughs> exactly. And I think one other thing 
too is that our attentions have changed and so like you don't really have people don't really have an interest or at least not like a wide audience has an interest in things like the dream ballet in Oklahoma or mm. going to sit for oh hey we're gonna in the, in the Broadway melody yeah. uh, montage oh we're gonna just pause the movie for 10 minutes and show you how good Gene Kelly is at dancing and he is spectacular yeah. at dancing yes um but like people don't really have the patience for that so I find like musicals now are much more story driven because it's built less around a single star as well like this was a vehicle yeah. for its stars Whereas, like, obviously you have Broadway stars now, or you have actors known for their singing and dancing, but we're, we're not going to see the, these movies for them. We're going to see them for the plot. Exactly. And Emma does know my qualms with <laughs> old musicals, with, like, things you mentioned, Oklahoma, and I was like, yes. Um, I'm I, so horny for Oklahoma. <laughs> I know you are. But, like, <laughs> the, the revival version of Oklahoma, but also when Hugh Jackman comes out in the West End revival from 20 years ago, also that, also that entrance. But also but, like Oklahoma in general. Granted, I've never seen the full movie because, like, I couldn't get past the dance scene. Oklahoma, like, the, the original movie, I wouldn't recommend. Like, Oklahoma, okay. I saw it on Broadway. <laughs> I saw it on Broadway. Um, but, like, I saw the revival, which is, like, this is a pretty racist musical, so we're going to interpret it. We're not going to change any dialogue, but we are going to interpret it in a way that makes it relevant to 2020. Mm. Uh, and it was. And I'm so mad because it was supposed to come to Toronto. Oh. But. Things. I, like, I often like, feel like a fake musical fan, because, like, I'm a huge fan of musicals, like, to the average person, like, I love them, like, they bring, I think musical theater is the highest type of art form, like, out of all art, I'm like, it's everything come together, it's beautiful, um, but I only started really getting into musical theater during, like, the modern, like, renaissance of it, like, with, like, Wicked and, like, those types of shows. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, like, the other ones didn't really grasp me grasp me as much. But I think that was also just, like, the age I was at the time. Like, I was in, like, late elementary school, like, early middle school. And, like, I wanted something that was, like, exciting and, like, enhancing and, like, all that type of stuff. So I never had a chance. To, like, when I saw older musicals, I was like, I guess. Like, it's fine. Like, it all sounds the same. I don't really enjoy it. But, like, I feel like I'm now at an age when I can appreciate older musicals now because of, like... I can see them as their own entity and like grouping everything as like, this is a musical. Like you can't, you can't show one person one musical and if they don't like it, they can't not, they can't say, Oh, I just don't like musical theater. It's like, no, you don't know because there's There's so far of a range. 100%. It's not a genre anymore in my mind. It's like, you can't like compare like bear the pop opera to legal. With bear the musical. You can't (laughs) compare those two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, it's completely different. So um, I was a bit nervous of watching this because I was like, oh, I know how I feel about older musicals. And I was like, oh, actually, maybe I just, like, didn't like them before. Like, it's just it's just a different thing, right? It is a different thing. And, like, it's also, like, I started watching this when I was three years old, so I'm running on 24 years of affection for it. Mm. Um, and But, like, I think it's perfectly valid to be, like, someone to be someone who got into musicals through things like wicked and phantom of the opera and rent because like i have parents who really love older movies and older musicals but there's lots of classic musicals i haven't seen like i've never seen seven brides or seven brothers i, I haven't mm. seen any doris day musicals, musicals except for calamity jane and even that was this past year um 
And so, but then even for me, like, I, I have always loved Singing in the Rain, but I didn't get, I would say, super into musicals until I saw Rent when I was in grade seven and then Hairspray when I was in grade nine. Like, and those mm, are, mm-hmm. I think, people would like if you're a musical theater snob would be like oh they're so like whatever but i'm like those are all those are equal levels of importance to me as singing in the rain yeah and i think it's also like the places that we grew up like i luckily like i was close enough to vancouver i could go over and see a show but that was like a whole thing like you had to pay to stay overnight and so it wasn't as accessible and so i feel like people who like experience older musicals before like i said a lot of times like sometimes the plot like soundtracks you didn't really buy cds like it like it wasn't again like for singing in the rain it's like there was a movie of that and i could watch it exactly right and that's why like i think the i remember watching greece as a kid but that was a movie right and it was accessible i have never seen greece the movie so stick a pin in that in your brain for a future episode (laughs) yeah it has been pinned (laughs) (laughs) i know i've seen greece live but i've never seen greece the movie okay um also on Halloween, I watched Beetlejuice, and then afterwards told Jenny, I was like, yeah, that was the first time I watched Beetlejuice. And she was like, you could have done Beetlejuice. <laughs> I can't say it three times. <gasps> oh, um, da, da, da. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess opening thoughts, like, before we get into, like, kind of just dis- mm. dissecting or, di- not diagnosing, dissecting and breaking down the, the characters and the plot, what were your, you told me, like, what you thought going into it, what did you think of, what were your first impressions what was your general overall attitude before I try to evangelize you? <laughs> okay. Um, so my initial thoughts first was because I owned it. So I was like watching a VHS, but like it's different than when you listen to headphones. So at first I was like, I can't hear what they're saying. So that was like the first <laughs> little bit. I was like, is this important? So I was like trying to take notes. Like, is all of these people important? And then most of them in the very beginning weren't. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised of like how funny it was like in the beginning it's like all these like glamorous people first they sit there at the chinese theater which then reminded me of hollywood studios and i was like oh God. disney World. <laughs> take me back <laughs> and then and then when he was um talking like when don was talking about like dignity and then it has all these flashbacks i was like this is actually pretty funny of him being like we always had dignity we always like i did trained at the prestige school and it's like them in like a bar and it's like oh this is fun like i like this and the when they're on stage and you can see that they hate each other you're like ooh. i was like i was pretty intrigued and interested for the start i was like this is not at all what i thought i thought this was going to be all like huh huh so it was kind of like which is what they're sending up in actuality is the Yes. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting, like, what I, my preconceived ideas of the show was what they, was the whole thing that they were talking about was their preconceived ideas of, like, what people thought they were. I was like, whoa, they just flipped it back on me. This movie from 1952, they saw me and they were like, no, this is not actually what it is. I was like, oh, cool. Um, so th- those were my initial thoughts of, it was intriguing to try to see what would happen my, I think, like, my biggest qualms with it is the amount of times they tap dance. But that's oh, just but a jetty so thing. good at it. <laughs> I know. But, okay. Here, here we go. So, I understand tap dancing. Okay? <laughs> I get it. Um, I do enjoy some tap dancing. I'm like, wow, look at, look at what you're doing. Newsies comes that to is mind. Really which is, like, they do a lot of, like... Yeah, it's like, that's fun. 
And, like, in a musical theater setting, like, there's usually, like, a tap dance number or, like, two. And you're like, oh, okay, like, that's fun. I, like, cool. But then, it, like, when it's, like, almost every song, I'm like, okay, I get it. You have noisy shoes. Like, I... But their feet are moving <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, I just want to listen to the song and your shoes are, like, doing sometimes a different beat. And I'm like, I can't... No, but I want to listen to, like, the melody of the thing. And then they always go on, like, too long. And I'm like, I... I I see you. I get it. I know. Wow. But like, you could have done it like five less times and I would have been fine. You know, I, I just, I get to a point when tap just irritates me. And oh, no. like, if I'm like watching the Tonys and like they're doing a performance and like someone does a tap number of it and like the tap part is like five minutes and the rest of the song is only like a minute long. I'm like, Okay. Okay. This may as okay. well happen. I know you can tap. Musical theater people can tap. I get it. I see you. It's an art form. It's hard you. to do. Like, oh my god, I get it. Like, hell yeah, you got this talent. But like, it, they, Emma, they just did it too many times. They do it. I'm realizing now. I'm like that. They do do that a lot of times. Um, so yes, we have our introduction. It's Don Lockwood whose real name is Donald, which I, like, physically hate saying right now, so we are just always going to call him by his full name, Don Lockwood. Um, yep. And his best friend, Cosmo Brown, who's, like, the on-set musician. They grew up doing mm-hmm. bad vaudeville together uh, and then worked as a stuntman, and then he is now the biggest star of the studio opposite their starlet, Lena Lamont, in, in silent film. Mm-hmm. And this is pre-musical numbers, uh, pre-musical numbers, but they're at the latest premiere. They're introducing a bunch of other famous people who, as you mentioned, you're furiously taking notes on. We only see one of them ever again, Zelda, in a very small part. Um, yeah, Zelda Zanders, who is played by, and I straight up did not recognize her, Rita Moreno. Oh. Rita Moreno, who is, you know, a decade before winning her, t- her not Tony, her Oscar in West Side Story as Anita and probably best known to newer audiences as the Abuela in One Day at a Time. Yeah. Yeah, that's Rita Moreno. <laughs> so, kind of kind of touch on that one like you didn't recognize her. I, no joke, for half of the movie, thought, like, could not tell who Debbie Reynolds was. <laughs> She's always in chorus scenes, so that's not helping. No, I, I thought she was oh. playing Lena. Oh! And then, because... So that era, because it's this movie is in 1952, but it's set in like the 1920s. 27. And so like their hairstyle and aesthetic was very of the era. All the girls would be together. It was like they all look the same. And I straight up was like, oh, that's Debbie Reynolds. And then eventually I was like, wait, that could also be Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> because I only know her from Halloween Town. So I was like, like trying to like de-age her in my mind. I was like, she could also be Debbie Reynolds. So I, I straight up had to look it up. And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I was like, I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> and so their latest movie is opening. That's great, by the way. And it's you know, right before the beginning of Talkies. And Dawn is very good at no one can hear what I'm doing at, you know, big showing big emotions. And he can also Choosing. sing and dance. Um, and then what did you think of Lena when she first speaks? Because I adore Lena Lamont so much. I, wrote, I love this oh performance so much. Because that's not what her voice sounds like at all. I wrote down, oh my god, her voice. And then 
um, there's a scene when she's trying to learn, like, had like her dialect coach and I was like I saw that on Tumblr that's where this is from like I didn't know that so I was like no no Miss Lamont round tones round tones now let me hear you read your line and I can't stand him and I can't stand him and I can't stand him can't can't can't. Can't. You saying that's not her voice, it kind of reminds me of in Friends, like the character, um, the actress who plays Janice. Yes. That's not her actual voice. Good and for so, her. like, <laughs> right? And so it's like, I, I applaud character actors. Yeah. So, Jean Hagen, um, fun fact is like Debbie Reynolds. Uh, was, as I mentioned, was 19, was still living with her parents. Uh, One, like, trivia fact I have from this movie is that she she was still living with her parents and would wake up at 4 a.m. and have to take three buses to get to the studio in time for filming and eventually just started sleeping on set because she was so tired all the time. Um, Also had no dance training. She was a gymnast and, like, literally they just, like, cast her based on her being, like, this beautiful, fresh, young, charming face. So, like, learned how to dance while filming this movie. How old was Gene Kelly at the time? We're gonna get into it. He so she was twenty when okay. the movie came out in nineteen while filming. He was thirty nine while filming forty when the movie came out. Okay, he's twenty years older. Than okay, her. Um, I, don't I know because how... like they did talk a bit about like the age difference like in the movie of being like it's such a girl and I was like how like again I I'm horrible at guessing ages or like anything so I was like I have no idea how old she's supposed to be. I know and I think it does suit that Don is a little bit older. I'm like I'm okay with that mm. because he is like an already established star but then you're like yeah. he's very old. <laughs> um, not that 40 is very old but in the context of dating a 19 year old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh Oh, her voice. Okay, so she had like a show. She has this very young sounding voice. So she did most of her own singing, and then for a couple numbers, it was dubbed over with a ghost singer uh, whose name was. Oh, so it's not her voice. So it's it's her voice for most of the movie, with the exception of "You Are My Lucky Star." It's a singer named Betty Noyce because Debbie Reynolds just had such a youthful sounding voice. Now we want someone who has a lower, more mature sounding voice mm. for this big love song, and then it, but also. The plot of the movie, ultimately, if you weren't aware, and we'll, we'll get into it, we'll get into it. Um, but is that Kathy Selden, this young ingenue, ends up dubbing her voice for Lena Lamont, who has this horrible, like Jersey Queens, I don't know accents, but like a very shrill, harsh voice. But yeah. that's in the movie when you like see the after. That's actually Jean Hagen's voice. She just had this beautiful, low, rich voice. So like the Wait, our, what? our love will last till the stars turn cold is the actress's normal voice. So Jean no. Hagen has the range, is what I'm saying. I love Jean Hagen. She should have won the Oscar. Wait, so like when she was dubbing, it was never actually Debbie Reynolds. Not the speaking. That was Jean Hagen's actual voice. Damn, Jean Hagen, right? Damn, girl, get it. That's so good. I Why know. is my voice so low? Damn, I got the range too. You got the Barely. range. No. <laughs> I've got the range. I'm working on my Jensen Ackles impersonation. Sam! Um, <laughs> she's had to hear me say that a lot in the past week. Sam. I have. I have. It's okay. Sammy. I love you. Um, and anyways, yeah. So I, I, one thing I always get nervous about while watching older movies is what parts of them 
will not have aged well through like a newer cultural lens mm. um and i think like the biggest thing with singing in your rain that it is white as fuck um uh-huh. it's a very white movie uh a completely white movie because i didn't even recognize rita moreno <laughs> like um mm. and then i think like the one scene that kind of gives me pause is the scene where it even though i also love it is where how kathy and don meet um, so Don is leaving his premiere, Lena, who, I like Lena, I like Lena as a villain because she's not just, like, the villain because she's the other woman and she's dumb with a bad voice. She's also just really mean. <laughs> like, I like that she's an yeah. actual villain. Um, yeah, and, but I also, like, love her because, like, she's a woman that knows what she wants. She's hustling. And, she's, like, and so, like, yeah. they show, like, when Don is but a humble stuntman, he goes up to her and tries to talk to her, and she completely brushes him off, and then she finds out he's a star, and then she calls up to him, and he's like, no, we don't have time for each other yeah. anymore. And now that he's really successful, and all the paparazzi in, like, magazine, they're saying, oh, they're an item, she's, like, really intent on locking him down. Um Anyway, so they split up, and Don's car that he's in breaks down on the way to the party. He ends up getting mobbed by fans and jumping into the car of the, like, the closest one to see. Which has one of the funniest lines, I think, in the movie. Which one? When he, when he, when, um, Don looks at Cosmo, he's like, call me a cab. He's like, okay, <laughs> you're a like, cab. Yeah. Oh my like, god, that's my, I used to make my mom say that. My mom and I would say that line to each other all the time. I'm so happy you like it. It's so funny. I love Cosmo. <laughs> Cosmo's his best friend. I love Cosmo so much. Anyways, and I just love... So he lands in Kathy's car, and she starts freaking out, as I think any young woman would if a random man jumped into your car wearing, like, ripped clothes, running away from people. And she kind of freaks out and pulls over to a police officer and is like, I recognize this man, he must be a criminal. (laughs) Who amongst us wouldn't? Um, And the guy's like, what are you talking about? It's Don Lockwood. Um, at, At which point she gets really embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just talking a lot. I'm just replaying the movie, and I think. I, but I was like, wanted to get ahead of this. But I love how she, like, you later find out she, he is her like big celebrity crush. She's super into him, yes. and then she gets kind of embarrassed that she didn't recognize him, and he immediately starts putting the moves on her. And I love how she's yeah. like, "My favorite actor is hitting on me. I'm gonna end this man's whole career," <laughs> and just like. <gasps> shoots his ego down so fast that he gets instantly yes. offended. I think, like, the one part that gives me pause is that he kind of starts, like, moving in and she starts freaking out and he doesn't lay off. Yeah. But, like, I, I'm, I'm generally okay with the scene because she is does just, like, shoot him down immediately and then she starts screaming and he does back off and just go back to making fun of himself. So I was, like, kind of worried. Yeah. That I was like, what if this scene doesn't age well? And then, like, as soon as she starts getting freaked out, he does just go back to being really silly and I was like, okay, I feel better about Dawn as a character yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, that scene, like, he says something about, like, don't worry, I won't, like, assault you tonight. Like, he says something like, along those you lines. or something. You're like, ooh. Yeah, I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I didn't. What? I didn't know that that was even an option. Please don't, sir. Stop, But I please. do love, like, she's like, oh, if you've seen one movie, you've seen them all. Oh, yeah, I think I recognize you. Yeah, you're okay. You're not yeah. that good. Like, I'm an actress, and I'm better. And he's just, like, so crestfallen instantly. It's this so is very good. much like a, like enemies to lovers fanfic of the movie. <laughs> I, it is a fanfic. It's like you meet your your idol and then he immediately yeah. falls for you. This is just the plot of after. Yeah, it's it's very so they like they meet up and then like you get to know a little bit more about Cosmo, which is fun because like in the beginning you see him, he's like the side guy of like yeah, he's also he's not the celebrity, but he's, he's also like, a his gay best man, friend. and I love him. Yeah, and like 
I love their friendship, like Cosmo and Don's friendship so much. Like they're just goofy with each other. And like Don has like the fame and the glory. Like Cosmo's like in the way that Chandler's kind of like sarcastic, but like he's fine. But Chandler wasn't fine. But, like, he has that type <laughs> of humor. But, like, he's also like, eh, whatever. Like, can I have this? Cool. Like, I'll do whatever you do. Like, they're just, like, in it for the long haul. And they, they're they just a fun duo. It, they are a really fun duo. Like you said, like, they're both, they're both in it for the long haul. And, like, you can tell Don Lockwood is someone who is in it for the fame. And Cosmo's in it for the laughs. He's like, as long as I get to play music and hang out with my best friend, we're calling it a win. And so, like, yes. they're just happy when they're together. And it's very nice. I love their friendship so much. Like, you mentioned it before of how, like, it's very physical comedy. And I think they do a really good job of... And some of the dancing, and yes, some of it is tap. They like make it comical and like make like with their facial. Ex- like I couldn't stop looking away from like their faces when they dance because it's so like expressive in musical theater. And remind me of like I used to take musical theater lessons, and there's I ended up being sick during the performance, so I couldn't do it. But my sister was in it, and I remember watching a video like a recording of it, and you could like. You, it was, like, from far away, like, local theater, so you couldn't really see a lot. And you just see my sister, big expression, you, her big smile, and she yells, show people! And, like, she's, like, so expressive. And I was, like, while I was watching um, them do, like, the dance in with the diction Moses teacher. supposes his toes are roses. This is my yeah, childhood I favorite. Was, I know all of the words. Oh, my God. And I was, like, wow. Like, that just reminds me of my sister just being, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like hyping each other up and like being like so into it I'm like hell yeah there is something intensely satisfying about watching dancers do a really difficult routine and seeing the concentration and effort on their face and like seeing how their chest is heaving because of like the sheer effort it takes there's also something just incredibly fascinating and show-stopping about seeing dancers perform and have them never break character so they just make yeah. it look effortless where like you're watching gene kelly and donald o'connor donald o'connor do these incredible routines and you know it takes a lot of effort and they just look like they're having the time of their lives yeah like when they were doing um make them laugh and like like cosmos like doing flips and like doing all these things like he just keeps going doesn't he my god okay so I have he some... has a man with unlimited energy i have some facts about this number so ah, to keep okay. things moving in terms of the plot uh kathy goes on and on how she's a real actress and then don gets to his party she drops him off at a suit shop and then surprise surprise she's the entertainment at the party and is a showgirl who pops out of a cake and he's kind of teasing her and following her around during the number of being like oh a real actress isn't it it's ethel barrymore aka drew barrymore's great-grandmother drew barrymore is part of a big big acting family Ooh. dynasty uh, drew barrymore's family has been famous as long as movies have existed oh my um God. uh she gets so fed up with it that she tries to throw a pie in his face and it lands in lena's face and dawn is mainly just amused by this and tries to find out more about her and then later the only thing he's able to find out is that lena had her fired and he's really mad about this yeah. um and so cosmo is trying to cheer him up this is a number that was written and choreographed specifically for donald o'connor for cosmo as a showpiece it's like you need it they weren't originally going to give him a solo song and then we're like he's too good we have to and when he was uh, a young vaudeville performer that one of his like signature things was that he would like go through a wall <laughs> or like do flips off of walls so they're like can you still do that and he was like yeah, sure, I could do that when I was 20. I could probably do it now. Also, at this point in time, he was smoking four packs a day. Um, Damn. So he did this number, and they were like, how are you doing? And he's like, fine. 
and then had to go on bed rest for three days. Oh um, and then they were like, I'm so sorry. We actually loaded the film in the camera wrong and recorded none of that. Can you do it again? And so he had to do the whole thing again. And it, it's such a good number. And I, um, for reasons that you'll find out later, I was kind of like trying to think of like what the essential moment for each character is for me, for Dawn. It's when mm. you're finding out his backstory and he's painting this very rose-colored version to a reporter of, I had dignity, always dignity. And, like, that's the essential dawn moment for me. Also just harkens mm. back to a time when you could just straight up lie about stuff and no one could fact check you. Yeah. IMDb didn't exist. They couldn't even have movies nope. on VHS. Um, and for Cosmo, it's when he's trying to make Dawn laugh in the at the piano where he says, uh, big people have little humor and short people have no humor at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make them laugh, don't you know everyone wants to laugh? My grandpa said go out and tell them a joke, but give it plenty of hope. Make them roar, make them scream, take a fall, but a wall split a scene. You start off by pretending you're a dancer with grace. You wiggle till they're giggling all over the place. And then you get a great big custard pie in the face. Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh. You mentioned at the beginning how I said, like, it reminds me about the artist. And the reason for that is that it is about silent actor stars all of a sudden having to adapt to not, like, being able to speak in movies and, like, a new technology. And um, the reason why everything kind of comes together is because Lena has a very shrill voice. She can't really, like, sing. She can't really talk very well. And, like, you find out, like, they have some behind the scenes of them filming their silent movies, and they don't even, like, say the words they're supposed to. They're just, like, bickering to each other. You absolute reptile. I don't love her half as much as I hate you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so So they're trying to adapt and try to figure that out. And then because that um, Kathy has such a good voice, they're like, oh, maybe we can help with that. And they're like, let's do that then. And it's kind of um, a fun, like, behind the scenes of movie making. Of this intense change that an entire industry had to do basically overnight. And I I think they did a really good job of, like, there's the one take when they first tried to record it. And the poor director is, is, like, going back and forth. (laughs) he's like you gotta speak into the microphone and she's like yeah I got it and then like leaves and like she does it and he's just like starting to freak out and keep moving it and like uh, I just like can resonate with that like frustration of like trying to do something and just not working well and you're like just please for the love of god it's just the like work. original technology rage where like for me if my laptop doesn't work it makes me so much angrier than anything else. Not anything else on this earth, but, like, anything that is, like, personal. It mm. makes me so angry so quickly as soon as my phone or my computer stops working. And this is the original bat where they're like, why won't it? I know it should work, so why isn't it working? And it's just, yeah. it's, it's so funny. And I love, of, like, we're talking about kind of unnecessary musical numbers. They have a huge montage called Beautiful Girl. That is yes. just showing all of these studios and all the different songs they're doing. And when you re-meet Kathy, and this is another thing I love about this, is that, like, it's... And not to, you know, talk smack about things like A Star is Born. It's not that Dawn met her and got her cast in things. It's, like, Kathy got fired and from her showgirl job and then actually started getting cast in movies. Like, Kathy is yeah. there based on her talent. And they just, like, randomly run into her at the studio one day because she's in the chorus of this number. 
Yes. Also, during that number, I felt so bad for some of the women who had a pose because some of them had way harder poses to hold than others. <laughs> I know. Like, it's some like of them were like just frame leaning. ones like badmintoning. Yeah, like one has like is leaning back on one foot holding something and you can see them shaking. And then there's someone else just like standing and I'm like, man, That's that girl good. deserves a raise. <laughs> It's so good. I know. I, I talk a lot, too, about how like, I wonder where, like, extras in movies are. I wonder where all of those, like, what happened to all of those mm. women. Oh, I probably all think they're Debbie Reynolds, so I don't know. <laughs> I have one anecdote, actually. I was like, I'm going to look up one person from this movie to find out what happened to them. And I decided to okay. look up Lena's diction coach, uh, Mrs. Dinsmore. Miss mm. Dinsmore. Uh, oh, my God. I love, <laughs> I love. Um, but it was played by a woman named... Kathleen Freeman and she it's kind of funny actually that she's playing this very classy character because she was apparently a character actress who appeared in like lots of one episodes of TV shows one scenes in movie one scene in a movie um, playing really brassy like accented characters oh um uh, also she was a lesbian apparently you go girl and uh, like because Hell I was yeah. I was looking her up and then uh, she died in 1982. Um, and all of the UK obituaries printed the information about her, her, her life partner, whose name was Helen, uh, her long-term partner, none of the US obituaries did, and I was like, fart sound. Um, uh. but one thing that I thought was really cool is this woman was in bit parts for years, she's not actually even credited in Singing in the Rain. Um. What? I know, she's like, she's not in, in the credits or on the cast list, it was only after the fact that people realized who she was. She made her Broadway debut a year before she died at the age of 80 in 2001 um, in a musical called The Full Monty based on the movie and was nominated for a Tony for it. She didn't win, but I was just like, hell yeah, yeah. Kathleen Freeman, you go. She just worked her entire career, booked and busy all her life, got nominated for a Tony right at the end. Like, yes. Hell yeah. So satisfying. I like a girl that just like, keeps going and she's like i'm just gonna do this this is gonna be great also you kind of mentioned how like she she said how she wasn't in the credits which just reminded me this is a a, a tangent a, a random thing but the the woman that voiced snow white is not in the credits of snow white what to this day it? her voice like it doesn't say her voice they have the credits like now on disney plus of like who plays her in different languages but they still don't have the actual voice That's actor's not name. Fair. I know, I know. Her, wow. she get, was given like a bat. Like she couldn't do any, anything after that. Like she pretty much signed a contract that her voice was Snow White, and that she did, couldn't do any other voice acting. That's it's a whole brutal. thing. I have an anecdote but, about that, but I know it's going to come up in a later episode. So I, you just won't don't get to find out right now. Oh, um, you'll find oh. out. Like, <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, and I just, like, this, the musical numbers of this movie, I love them. The dancing is so beautiful, and I think one of the moments that I find just exceptionally, you know it, I love it, romantic and magical, mm. is mm-hmm. Dawn finds Kathy, and she's kind of upset that he remembers her because she's worried she's going to get fired again. And he's like, no, 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 I don't care. We just have to hide you from Lena. Like, absolutely, goes to the head of the studio. Like, absolutely hire this woman. She's so talented. And then he's taking her around the studio, and she, like, lets slip that she actually has seen a lot of his movies, and he kind of teases her about it, and she, like, doesn't really know anything and, like, hasn't been able to explore the studio a lot yet. And so he takes her into an empty studio. I keep saying the word studio. He takes her in, 
and just like walks her through building a scene and he like turns on the wind machine and sets the lighting and makes the backdrop the sea of like sunset clouds and Debbie Reynolds skin is just glowing and she's got this Mm -hmm. beautiful smile and she's just so radiant like it makes me think like obviously she's incredibly talented but it makes me think like a casting director just saw her smile and was like yeah I can make a star out of her and then yeah, you see it in that, the scene. Yeah. She's just got it. Yeah, it's, like, written, like, straight out of a romantic novel of, like, well, let me show you then, like, I the know. lights. and then... Mus- oh, no, I just, I realized I just started <laughs> starting with Kiss the Girl. <laughs> Music. <laughs> Words. Not that Strings. Winds. Words. And then they sing You Are My Lucky Star, which is so romantic, and it's just like how much they love each other, even though they've just met, and you know I'm always about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, They have good chemistry, They have really sure. good chemistry. Like, he just looks at her immediately with hard eyes, and like, it's such, such a good-natured relationship, and it's like, where he's just, thinks she's amazing, and she's just like, okay. I mean, I am, <laughs> but I mean, you're all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he, Gene Kelly just has hard eyes. Another slightly less fun fact about this is that Gene Kelly was apparently kind of an asshole during filming because he was really oh, unhappy no. at NGM who had him locked in at the time. And so this was one of the last movies he made for NGM and he kind of chose to direct it because it was a way for him to do a movie that let him make fun of the studio. So like all of the people they're making fun of in the industry are like based on people Gene Kelly had to work with at MGM who he didn't like. And then, um, like I said, Debbie Reynolds didn't have any dance training and apparently was, like, picking up the choreography, and it's insanely complicated, but it was, like, taking her a really long time, and if he was just, like, would yell at her a lot, until the point, like, one day they were all on lunch break, and she just stayed in the studio crying, and then Fred Astaire had gone into the studio, because it was empty, and, like, had gone into practice, and just found her crying under a piano, and was like, take a deep breath. Gene Kelly's just kind of a dick. Let's practice. And then Jennifer oh, Astaire no. like taught her how to dance. And then afterwards, Gene Kelly was like, I'm sorry, I'm so angry all the time. I'm so stressed <laughs> out. And him and Donald O'Connor were already friends. So he's like, Donald O'Connor, every time I'm mad, can I just yell at you? And Donald O'Connor was like, Yeah, sure, that's fine. So he would stop. So he stopped yelling at Debbie Reynolds and being like, and just like grabbed Donald O'Connor apparently and yell at him every time he was mad. And I'm like, that's not really a good coping mechanism. No. Um, and then apparently they did, like, stay friends, and I found one quote from Gene Kelly that made me laugh. Um, Kelly expressed remorse about his behavior, saying, I wasn't nice to Debbie. It's a wonder she still speaks to me. Um, but they were apparently <laughs> friends for many years after that, so. Oh, my God. It sounds incredibly stressful. <laughs> I mean, like, when you think about, like, what was she going to do? Like, this was this older guy who, who is was one directing of the biggest and starring stars in, the world. in it. Like... Yeah. There's nothing she could do. Uh, so it's like a it's a bummer, but uh, you you don't see it in the movie. It's an it's unfortunate to know about, but you don't see it in the movie at all, which is like yeah. Nice. I guess it's not like a, a Kubrick shining situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, and then so we just go like I I'm realizing as I talk about it like the the plot of this movie is very slight. A huge chunk of it is the dance numbers, but basically Jenny said the 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 premiere of Lockwood and Lamont they talk goes, you know, terribly cuz Lena's got a wretched Which, like, voice. Gave me flashbacks of like our beginning of trying to record this podcast of like background noises and I'm being like shit like cuz like also they they have to work with mics the first time so like she's moving like 
a necklace. And she's like, shit, what is that sound coming from? <laughs> and is so her heart I was like, oh, God. Is that <laughs> like, the um, I'm, no, God, uh, now as you talk about that, I'm realizing I've been facing away from the microphone the entire time. Jeez Louise. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's pouring rain in California. They're all miserable. Lena doesn't understand why people don't, don't like the movie because she thinks she was great. Um, she's like such a, like, she has confidence for no reason. And I like love that. her for that. I know, to be like that. God. Right? Like, she's just, like, I think I was great, and, like, all these things, and, like, she doesn't see that she's bad, which, like, and what I'm, like, yeah, you have, like, a good, like, self-worth, but also, I'm, like, you gotta gain some perspective, my girl. Like, come on. (laughs) Ma'am. Ma'am, please. Um, and then we get into, oh, I think what is actually just my favorite number of this whole musical, which is Good Morning. I did not know, again, I did not know that this was from this musical, and I was like, Um, wait, What? (laughs) Where they're having just that incredibly relatable feeling of everything is terrible. I'll stay up late until it's better. Um, in this case, that mm-hmm. actually works. Also, I just love they're like in Don's huge mansion and they're also depressed. They're just eating like white bread. It looks like I'm like that's not a meal. Yeah, um, but like also that feeling of being like yeah, like it's technically morning now. You're like what? No, How? God. But they come <laughs> up with their master plan and naturally have to sing a whole song about it. How it's good. It's like, gonna be a good morning. Um. And I, it's, it's so, it's just like the, the three stars and it's funny and they're just, it's playful and the dancing is spectacular. And it's, that is Debbie Reynolds' real voice, her singing in Good Morning. And then like, then we get the classic song of singing in the rain. And I'm like, this looks fun. I know. Like, uh, I've never really like gone out like, and just like been like, whatever, I'm just going to run around in the rain. But I sometimes go for walks in the rain. And, like, I get it. It's exciting. I remember one time I was walking home from high school, and it was pouring rain. It was me and two of my friends, and we went to their house, and it was pouring, and we just decided to jump on the trampoline, and, like, so dangerous. But we just had the best time, and then we just, like, changed into, like, different, like, warm clothes and, like, watched a movie. And I was like, that was fun. Like, sometimes you need to be like, screw this, screw, like, what my body needs, warmth, and I'm just gonna <laughs> dance in the rain. And it reminds me of, like, Step Up when they're, like, dancing in the rain. I'm like, yeah. Like, it's just so, like, dynamic. Like, rain has, like, a whole character in itself, and it's just weather, but it's itself. And I'm like, there's probably milk in that rain, because I know how water seems on screen, because I've been <laughs> behind the scenes things before. Yes, Very so exciting. there is allegedly milk in the rain. Um, we don't know how much milk. I think it would be weird if we did know how much milk. And it was, so it was through milk and backlighting that the rain appears on film. One thing I love about this is just, like, God, I'm such a sucker for love. But, like, Don is just so in love with Kathy. He's He's gone from... It's also, like, he's crawling his way out of utter despair thinking his career is over. So he's, like, really riding the high of, maybe I still have a job. Um, yeah. But he's just so happy that he starts singing. Like, you can just feel that he's just, like... I am in love, I get to work with my best friend, I get to have my dream job, it's going to be okay. And it's just coming out of him being so playful and happy, and I was like, I want to feel that happy, oh my god! Yes. Um, and he also had 103 degree fever while filming that scene. Oh boy. That was my other fun fact, where I was like, oh boy. <laughs> okay, a little bit of a legend. Um, mm. Yeah, I think, like, this movie... 
like Gene Kelly just has chemistry with everyone. He has great friend chemistry with Cosmo. We haven't even talked about RF, who's the head of the studio, and is like portrayed as just an utter dunce who will do whatever the like he's been told to do last. He's just like, yeah, yeah that's a good idea. Someone else with something different. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but like it's, it's Gene Kelly just uses charisma. Oh, for sure. Um, and so like they try to like pitch it as like a musical, so they have. Like, we're going to change it so it's going to be more, like, dramatic and, like, it will work. We're making time, not a comedy, but, like, more dramatic and, and stuff. And, like, our movie was supposed to be set in the French Revolution, but we're going to make our musical set in New York and the French Revolution parts can be a dream sequence. Yes. Um, which is very fun, actually. I would I would watch that movie. I would watch The Dancing Cavalier. Yes. Um, can you help explain to me <laughs> what what happened in the middle of the Broadway song? I don't understand. Okay, so the scene Jenny is talking about, if you aren't aware, and this is something where you do have to be someone who loves dancing to get through this part of the movie, part of me is always, like, tempted to fast-forward past this scene because it is literally just, like, a 12-minute dance number. Um, Which, okay, don't get me wrong, I love dance. Like, I will, like, I'm a huge fan of contemporary dance, and I will just, like, watch people do contemporary dance. But, like, I was just, I don't understand, I didn't know what was happening. Like, I really like the scene with the long scarf. I was like, that's cool. I still don't know why with this is happening. This <laughs> is cool. It's a long scarf. This, this scene, have you seen La La Land? Yes. I was going to say, if you haven't seen La La Land, you don't have to, because the plot of La La Land is this dance number. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Because, so, I, this is basically, this is just, like, Gene Kelly's big showpiece. Obviously, he's been performing all movie, but, like, this is his big showpiece. They break up the entire movie to be like, hey, RF, we haven't told you about our big dance number we're going to do, and here's the scene. And then at the end of it, RF says, you know, I'm not really sure. I guess I can't quite picture it, which is funny because you've just watched it. Um, mm. But this number is basically, Don's character in the movie is someone who goes to New York to become a star, um, and so the general plot of it is, and it's since Sharice is a dancer, she'd given birth, like, two months before oh. Lord, oh um, styled to look like Louise Brooks, if you know who that is, um, so Don's character shows up in New York, he's, he's, he's got rhythm, it's got him, everybody dance, um, and is trying to make his way, meets this beautiful, mysterious woman, as played by Sid Sharice, who in the dance number you then find out is involved with a gangster so he flirts with her yes. she flirts with him then leaves with her gangster then an agent sees him dance he becomes a big star and sees her again yes. and they have this again flirtation and again like oh my god Gene Kelly and Sid Therese don't even have any lines and they have such good chemistry where also mm. we don't know what happened but part of the scene apparently had to be cut because it was like too sexy um because they were just like Scandalous. too on fire um, so that they have this very, like, seductive dance where she flirts with him and then leaves and then they meet again. And then they have a dream sequence within the dream sequence of if they were able to fall in love. So that's the scene with the scarf is them being like, we can't be together because I'm attached uh. to this gangster. But if we could, here's a dance of us in love as we should be. And then she leaves the gangster again and he leaves kind of sad but bittersweet. And then, uh sees someone else trying for it and is like, you're gonna make it, kid. <laughs> um, so that's the plot uh, of Broadway melodies. And it's just... Okay, because, like, I, I've heard this song before. I was like, oh, it's the Broadway song. And oh, then it, like, was like... I, didn't, I didn't, wouldn't have pegged that one as one you heard before. That's interesting. I think I've heard it, like, performed in, like, a melody on the Tony Awards, oh, probably. Okay. And so then the halfway through, I was like, okay, I know this song. And then the, the dance sequence started. I was like, okay. All right. 
mm, I'm lost. I like wrote down what is happening. I don't understand. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. It's a story within make... a story within a story within a story. Yes. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> Actually, yeah, because it's like you have the dream sequence within the dance number, which is within the plot of the movie, which is in the plot of the other movie, which is in the plot of the movie we're watching. <laughs> Many layers. Damn. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then Lena finds out that uh, their big plan is to push Kathy as the real star, and it's, everyone's going to know that it's not really Lena's voice, and she goes nuclear and excises yeah. all of the little little tiny print in her contract to make sure that Kathy's going to have to voice her forever and never have a career of her own. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm like, damn girl, get him. Get him with the law. <laughs> a shimmering star in the firmament of theater. Okay, also, this was adapted into a, Singing in the Rain was adapted into a Broadway musical in the 80s. One thing I am surprised by is that it is not done by high schools more often because you have multiple female leads, you have huge group numbers, and you really only need two good singers because you like have three good singers in the movie. But Cosmo is someone who, if it's just like, I feel like every high school has that one male actor who's like pretty goofy. So like he wouldn't yeah. have to sing well. Like you really only need two good singers. And as someone who was always in high school theater, loves to sing and can't sing very well and so never got a big part. That makes me sound like I'm bitter. I'm actually not in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> but, like, I definitely asked our drum teacher and was like, please, can we do Singing in the Rain? Because I would freaking love to play Lena Lamont. Because, like, I feel like oh. I'm not alone in this. Every musical theater high school program has a girl who is, like, too tall, can't sing, can't dance, but loves it. <laughs> and that's me. And I just think I would have crushed it as Lena Lamont. And I think it's just, like, such a funny part. And, like... Truly, like, there are so many parts. Like, you've got Zelda. You've got, like, there's so many opportunities for fun costumes, which is, like, when you're in high school, all you want to do is wear fun costumes. And there's big group numbers. I can't believe this isn't done by high schools more often. Is it because the group numbers are tap dance? But they wouldn't. They don't have have to be tap dance, though. That's true. Because, like, schools do, like, West Side Story, and they don't usually do tap. Yeah, like, they don't have to be tap dance. They can just be, like, jazz squares to infinity. Yeah. Because, like, this old movie kind of reminded me a bit, like, not a lot, but, like, the Kathy character reminded me a lot of Blousey Brown. In Bugsy? Blousey? Bugsy Malone, yeah. Just, like, wanting to be a big star yeah. and, like, all gets in, because it's, the plot's different. But, like. You were Blousey, right? That same attire. I, yeah, I was Blousey. <laughs> that, that was just sad because I was like, what's her name? No, what's her, what's her name? Blousey? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why schools don't do that. As I feel like a lot of schools don't do older musicals anymore. I know. It, well, it's so funny, too, because my high school definitely tried to do Kiss Me Kate one year, which is an old musical, which is, like, way more sexist and racist than Singing in the Rain is. It is. Um, it and is. then we couldn't do it because no one in our drama program was that good at singing, and so we ended up not doing it. Mm. And But it's just like, you're looking the wrong way, man. So also, like, Singing in the Rain... Like, this is an awesome story, but, like, has a movie, and so I remember, like, our drama teacher always trying to, like, find a movie or, like, a bootleg to show us so we could have a reference point, and I'm like, it's right there. I just, I think that yeah. would be so fun, and I would, I would, yeah. I would go see a high school production of Singing in the Rain. I would go see any production of Singing in the Rain. I love it. I do agree with you, because, like, it's really hard, as someone who did do musical theater in high school, how male-orientated... Mm-hmm musical theater like if high schools are doing guys and dolls they can do singing in the rain yeah exactly 
I think like in our musical theater we had maybe like five guys and we did Bugsy Malone when the majority except for like couple so like we had a lot of people like women wearing mustaches and like it's like you do your best you do with what you got but at the same time it's like there's other options that you could do but also like again you shouldn't be restricted to your gender what role you want to play either so either but it's just like it shouldn't really yeah, I just wish there were, like, more women-centric musicals. And obviously, like, this one's, like, kind of split. Like, RF could easily be played by a girl. Like, mm. anyways, I just, I think Singing in the Rain should be done by more high schools. I think we're missing out on a big opportunity yeah. there. And then we get into the, the finale of the film, where the Dancing Cavalier premieres, and it's a huge hit. And everyone thinks Don Lockwood's pretty great, but it's clear that Lena Lamont is the real talent. And Kathy is just, like, really excited because she's like, they're going to announce that it's me. And then Lena comes out at the end of the movie and is like, psych! It was psych! very Lizzie McGuire, the movie. <gasps> it is. This movie's yeah. singing yeah. in the rain's legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Sing it, pal. <laughs> this is what James and made. James I could play Paolo in my high school production of Lizzie McGuire, the movie. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like it was such a good ending. Lena is so full of herself. Let her, let her fall herself. Like she is so over the top and like so proud of herself. She just standing on stage, she will fall like she will destroy her own image by just being there. God, like she let her and then they like open the curtain. Oh, love so watching good. a world where karma is real. Um Yes. Yeah, so Oh, it's so devastating, though, because they realize that Lena's going to go out one way or another, and she's trying to, she has the power to force Kathy to sing for her live, and I don't know why they don't tell Kathy what their plan is, aside for dramatic tension. Yeah. Because I'm like, she just, like, kind of wanders away, so they can't tell her in time. But the three men, RF, Cosmo, and Don, are like, okay, we're going to go out and let Lena sing, and then we'll pull the curtain up and make Cosmo sing, and everyone will realize that Lena's a fraud. Um, yeah. And it's so stressful and funny, and they're they're all so gleeful, and Lena's face just crumples the last you see as her running off the stage. Um, yeah. And then this is the essential Kathy moment for me, is she's, like, stressed and hurt because she thinks Don is betraying her to protect his own career, and then she gets, like, embarrassed, and, like, just, like, it's her, the emotions are so overwhelming that I pull the curtain up, and she just runs for it. And then, like, the essential Kathy moment for me is, like, Dawn says, like, this is, stop that girl, that's Kathy Selden, she's the voice you loved tonight, she's the real star of this picture, and she realizes that he's been backing her all along, and she turns, and she's crying really beautifully, and it's just like this tight close-up, and her skin is glowing, and then she starts singing, and it's so good. I do wish they would have just told her, so she didn't have to cry, but (laughs) But then you wouldn't wouldn't have that cool scene. You wouldn't get the (laughs) shot, the funny shot. Oh. She's the voice you heard and loved tonight. Um, and then they fall in love and get to star in Singing in the Rain. That's what they do. Which is then another layer of the turtles, I guess. Because now they turtles. We're here to burgle your turts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's Singing in the Rain. And, oh my god, we didn't even talk about Moses supposes his toes are roses as Moses supposes his toes is to be. Because Moses, he knows his toes are roses as Moses supposes erroneously is the biggest tap number. I think I just blurred (laughs) I think I just said one really long word, but it's a great... That t- was very impressive. It's a great tap that number. Was, it's my... Wow. It, it's I keep saying every number is my favorite number, but, like, it, that was one I watched all the time as a kid, and I was still just like, <laughs> it's a good time. It is a fun time. So, overall thoughts. Um, 
have me just being like, I love this film. Has that made you love it more? Uh, do you have some reservations? Things you think didn't work? Um, what are some things you would like to change that you think would make it better? Okay, so my overall thoughts is I am surprised at how much I enjoyed the film because <laughs> of my <laughs> ideas with older musical theater. So I was surprised at how funny it was. I was surprised at how the majority of the movie kept me engaged for most of it. Like, I was intrigued to see what would happen. Because, like, again, never, I don't know, the, I didn't know the plot. So I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why it took me so long to see it. And I thought, like, the musical numbers were fun. I have my opinions with tap. That's, like, I, I can't dock it for the tap because, like, that's just something, that's a me thing. That's a, th- that's a me problem. So I can't really do a lot about that. <laughs> it's just what it is. Um, but no, I thought it was it was really interesting. And um, it had a lot of the classical movie, like, shots. And there's just something fun about hearing, like, the old-fashioned voices. Like, they all sound like the very, like, the old, what is it, like, Atlantic something accent. Oh, yeah, like a, a mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic. Uh, yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Thank you. <laughs> um, so it's kind of, like, charming to hear that accent a bunch of times. Um, so, yeah, like, I I feel like if, like, I don't have cable, but if it was on, like, I wouldn't change the channel. It's a Sunday afternoon movie, as many movies that we talk about yeah. are. Yeah, and I feel like I may, like, put it on if it's, like, I need to do something else. I just want something in the background. Um, if someone likes musical theater, I'd probably recommend it to them if they like older musical theater. Um, I don't know if I'd like run everyone be like, this is the best movie ever. You need to see it. But I understand its place and I feel like it overall holds up for a movie that was from 1952. Right. And yeah. And like seeing your enthusiasm about it made me like it more too. So it was over. It was a good film. I, 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 if we I ever, liked it way more than I thought. Oh, I'm so relieved, because we did, like I mentioned, we talked briefly yesterday, and you were like, I liked it more than I expected. And I was like, oh shit, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> um, oh, beans. Um, and we talked about the National Film Registry on our Ferris Bueller episode. This is also the first, was part of the first movies, like movie group class cohort ever to be added to the National Film Registry for cultural, historical, and aesthetic significance in 1989 when it was created. This was one of the first 25 films that was ever added. That's Um, impressive. Yeah, I just... This movie is so good for my brain. Like, it's bright colors. It's people doing things they do really well. It's funny. It's charming. I love the relationships in it. I love the character dynamics. It's such a good time, and it's one I watch. I originally said, like, I originally said to you yesterday, like, like every couple months. Honestly, like once a year, but even that for me is like huge. I have seen That's this movie so you. many times. Um, and Jenny kind of sums it up in her like closing arguments. We've never called it that before, <laughs> and we never will again. We're moving away <laughs> from like the five star system because that's for professional film critics, which we aren't. And you know what? Three stars means different things, and we were just tired of trying yeah. to decide it. Um, so like our, our rate, not rating, but like the questions we're going to ask each other now are, are you going to rewatch this? And now that you've heard of it, are you going to tell anyone else? Which you mm-hmm. answered. And I'm, I'm very pleased with the yeah. result. I'm, I kind of forgot, like, even though you've definitely mentioned it, you're like, you, you prefer modern musicals. I was just like, she'll love it. It's a musical. Um, so I'm yeah. really, really pleased that you did. 
Yay! It's just a radiant film. I saw you from afar. Two lovely eyes at me, they were gleaming. Be To kind of close off, we always like to do a game or activity, and I gave Jenny hers in advance. Uh, one of the, I guess this is like one of the few last times, one of the last times I watched this movie was after I watched the 2018 adaptation of A Star is Born, because, mm -hmm. God, I can't get into all of the feelings I have about A Star is Born, because then this would be a four hour long episode. Um, but A Star is Born was originally made in the 1930s. It's been adapted four times. So originally 1930s, then 1940s with Judy Garland. Um, then we did the 1970s, 80s with Barbara, and then 2018 with Lady Gaga. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that no one has ever tried to remake a Singing in the Rain, that there's been no mm. reboot ever in attempt. I even looked it up today and I couldn't find any, like, oh, they're considering remaking it. And I think one thing with A Star is Born is, like, it's a, it's a similar story. One star rises while another falls. Um, but it can easily be updated to different time periods. Like, each time mm -hmm. it's been made, it's been made in the modern day. Um, whereas Singing in the Rain is very firmly set in 1927 because of the plots. So we've had movies yeah. like The Artist, which are set in the same time in a similar story, but my question to Jenny was, we were both going to kind of fan cast a remake. I have, mm -hmm. for the lead four actors, so for Don, lead four characters, for Don Lockwood, for Kathy Selden, Cosmo Brown, and Lena Lamont. Um, I have a couple options for some, and then one really good one for one character, but I'm curious to hear yours first. I'm going to pull it up on my phone now. I, I just picked, like, a person for each character. That's... Better, I just am bad at making lists, so then they're always long. <laughs> um, That's okay. Um, should we go together? Like, we'll say one character, and then we'll go who that is? Yeah, I think like, if we do it by character instead of all of the whole Which cast. Which makes it. me feel better, because, like, the ages of these, like, don't make any sense. So, like, I'm just saying, hypothetically, these would be good people to play this role. Exactly, <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I wouldn't want to keep that 20-year age gap, but I would want to keep some kind of age gap I think just for the from a character standpoint so I'm curious so I think like you can pluck anyone out of time at okay. any point in their career for this this is purely hypothetical yes. unless Hollywood wants to I mean, bankroll us I feel like I should have like thought a lot more about it like even just talking like I've had some other ideas in my mind of who it should be that are better options I mean, feel free to but share. <laughs> I know but like I'll just share the ones that I have written down because these are the ones that popped into my head right away. For Don? For who would... For Don. So, yeah. So, the person that popped into my head for Don is the most stereotypical thing I could pick, but... <laughs> um, Hugh Jackman. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I had thought about Hugh Jackman, and then I was like, he's too old at this point. But if you're picking yes. him from any point in his career, like, if you're picking Oklahoma-era <laughs> Hugh Jackman, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, he has that, like, like, he has the skills, like, the dance, singing, acting, and um, I could also see him, like, pulling that role off pretty well, mm -hmm. of being, like, a established artist. Like, kind of smarmy, but, like, but good at heart. 
Exactly, exactly. So that's who I picked for John. Okay, so I am I am mentally shortening my list because my John list is frankly unreasonably long. Um, like I was trying to think, I was like, okay, who would suit like well for that time period? Because what I thought you were gonna guess was Channing Tatum, because Channing Tatum has been compared to Gene Kelly Ooh. a lot in terms of someone who has that level of control over his body and his dancing. And, mm. I mean, Channing Tatum has done period work before. Like, he does a fantastic dance number in Hail Caesar that is frankly underappreciated. But I think, ultimately, Channing Tatum just has too modern of a face. Like, I don't look at his face uh. and think this is someone from 1927 or from 1952. Um, and I think, mm. ultimately, even though, like, I've heard I've heard Channing Tatum's, like, fine, but I, I have heard, like, too, I, my personal opinion of Channing Tatum also, based on, like, how he behaves on set sometimes, I was like, no. So I don't know why I even mentioned that when I was like, here's my short list of people I wouldn't pick. Um, <laughs> uh, this will not come as a surprise to you, but I was like, who's someone who's good in period pieces? Who's someone who's, like, good at playing Goofy? And who's someone who can kind of sing and dance, though not to the level of Gene Kelly? I picked Dan Stevens. Oh. Uh, A, because I think Dan Stevens is a firecracker. <laughs> um, and, I mean, he sang in Beauty and the Beast, um, and then dances in Beauty and the Beast and Eurovision, but I think he's so good at playing really goofy, and I can just picture him, like, in these scenes with Kathy having really good oh, chemistry. For sure. And, again, he's so beautiful. Um, yeah. And then I was like, what if we kind of, I can't believe this, but, like, Ryan murphy this, of, like, we're in a Hollywood where casts don't have to be entirely white, um, specifically referring to like the Ryan Murphy show Hollywood, which would I Hollywood, which I didn't even watch. Um, but I was mm. thinking also Oscar Isaac, I could picture really well. Oscar Isaac has oh. like such a distinct energy in interviews, and I can picture him nailing that yeah. intro of like dignity, always dignity. And oh. I can just picture him being really funny and so smooth. Um, Wait, actually, right. I think that he would be perfect as right? that. I think Whoa, Oscar Isaac yeah. would be so good. It took me a moment to, like, picture it because I was like, who's Oscar Isaac? And then I was like, oh, shit, yeah! Yeah! yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've only ever seen him dance in Ex Machina, but, I mean, he can move. Um, and yeah, I've also actually heard him sing. He can sing in Lewin, he sings in Inside Lewin Davis, and he's got, like, a really strong folk singer voice, but I feel like he, with some mm. training, he could pull off Don Lockwood really well and just be magnetic um and then two mm. kind of peop three people i had on my short list all of which are theater actors who have also done movie and television i was like i think he's currently too young for it actually i have no idea how old he is now aaron Tveit. i love aaron Tveit, and i feel mm -hmm. like if they were mm -hmm. to do a broadway revival he would probably get slotted in because he does occupy that space in the broadway community right now mm -hmm. i was thinking of grantham coleman who was in the i think public theater in the park adaptation of much ado about nothing um, I'll send you a picture okay. of him because I don't think you know him. Um, he's just, I, he's really funny and much to do about nothing. And then lastly, I don't think he, I think he looks too much like a hollow bird. Um, but Lee Pace, because I was thinking of him playing a stuntman <laughs> in the fall. And okay. I was like, Lee Pace is uh, really charming. But like, I don't think, I think my last three are like in a pinch, but I think Oscar Isaac and then Dan Stevens are my top two. After we go through the list, I, you just remind me of another thing that I will say right after that I have also another headcanon in my mind, but you just remind me of oh. it, but we'll get to that oh, at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I only have one pick for Kathy. Do you want to say yours? You can go first this oh, time. okay. So for Kathy, I picked, I was like, Debbie Reynolds was an unknown. 
Um, and like they're doing the new West Side Story movie, and for their Maria, they cast an actress who it's her first feature. So I would love to have someone like that. But I was like, obviously, I can't predict people. I pick cast people I've never heard of. So I cast Danae Benton who plays Natasha in Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. I knew you were going to pick that. That's so funny because she's so young <laughs> and I can just picture her like yeah. with like this glowing skin and these beautiful tears and in Great Comet she has yeah. the song No One Else and that's like I think just puts her in the Kathy space so nicely. Mm. Um, she's so lovely. Yeah. I picked Philippa Sue. We are in the same headspace as she also played Natasha and Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812. And she would also I, like, crush she it. Has... Also, sorry, Danae yeah. Benton also played Eliza. Danae Benton was the Philippa Sue replacement for Eliza in Broadway. So, <laughs> like, I feel like she has, like, the perfect face and, like, like especially since seeing Hamilton on Disney+, Plus, like, there are some scenes, like, when she, like, looks off into the distance, like, she just has so much maturity yet innocence in the way that she acts and like her voice is like so rich and I think she would do such a good job at being Kathy. She really would. That's a great yeah. casting. She was Thank just you. in a movie, like a new rom-com that I really want to see that I haven't been able to cause it's not on VOD yet. Um, ah. I, but it is in theaters. Anyways, she's so great. I'm so excited for her to be in more movies. Like she's starting to be cause she is so charming and Yes. Yeah, like just she's someone like Kathy who just came on the scene and blew everyone away. Exactly. And she's got a beautiful um, voice. And for Cosmo, the only thi- the only person that I could envision who I think would do a great job, like the first person I thought of and I wrote it down is Neil Patrick Harris. Ooh. Okay. So again, we kind of both went to theater again. I can see that. Yes. Tell me more about your. I picked all theater people. Um. I could definitely see him, like, doing the whole, like, make him laugh of, like, being by a piano and, like, doing funny faces and kind of, like, going around. And I can see him kind of pulling those, like, one-liners really well and, like, the cheap shots. And even if it was, like, set in, like, modern times, I feel like he would do a really good job of being that that character role. Okay, I this yeah. was the one where I was like, maybe we'll pick the same person, and we didn't, but I think you'll like this. I picked Christian Borle. A.K.A. Emmett from Legally Blonde, Hook and Peter and the Starcatchers, Shakespeare and uh, something rotten. Like he is so so funny. Yes, and he would do such so a good job. Oh my god! Right? I think he would be great. I think Jordan Fisher in twenty years could also do it. But for now, Christian Borle. Yeah, I love Jordan Fisher. Yes. Um. Oh, that's I think good. Christian Borle would be perfect. Like Christian, Bar- I, I think yeah. Patrick Harris also, but Christian Borle is like the only one I can picture. Yeah, for sure. And what about Lena? Okay, Lena was harder for me because I was like, Lena okay. is the one who you have to keep her in this like very specific physical casting of your like stereotypical blonde bombshell. Yeah. Um, so I had two picks. Um, okay. Both based on like, could they do the voice? Could they be? Could they play it? I think my first thought was Anna Ferris. Ah, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, like she's obviously different era, but like she's also kind of done playing on Starlets before. And um, mm. oh my god, what's it called? Lost in Translation. But ultimately, mm-hmm. um, I was like, who could be really funny? Not that Anna Ferris isn't a great comedian, Anna Ferris, but I ended up going with Rachel McAdams. Ooh, because she, she is would do so a good funny, job. and she would absolutely commit to doing a silly voice. 
and holding it for the entire movie and would just do yes. it with, like out any embarrassment just totally own yes. it and i think like i think about her in things like eurovision and game night or any comedy she's done and she'd be so good she would do such a good job Ooh, those are good ones um i picked again i picked everyone from broadway christian chenoweth also good and because she like even though she's like not like the really like tall blonde but she's still like a feisty little blonde who like her voice is just the voice and she could like lean into it even more and like i feel like she would do such a good job of just being like her comedic timing is perfect and okay this also brings me back to the thing i was going to say before we said lee pace i also have a headcanon of what if there was a dream sequence when the cast of pushing daisies were in these roles so, like, Lee Pace was Dawn, Christian Chen was Lena. Oh, my God. And, like, it would be, so like, Anna Frail would be Kathy. And, and then... Chai McBride <laughs> could be Cosmo. It would be so good. Yeah. And, like, he would be Cosmo, but he would, like, not understand why he's, like, he would be, like, he would take a different take at it of being, like, kind of annoyed, but he'll still be there, but he'll do it. But, like, I just had a, like, the first thing I thought of was that cast of playing these roles. I was like, yeah. Oh, show every day. Oh, same. Oh, it's so same. good. Um, yeah, and, like, Chris Chenoweth, I feel like you could also play into, like, her height as, like, the public's perception versus how she actually is. Like, if she's always in these heels or, like, always on a step and no one kind of realizes how short she is because they only yeah. ever see her on screen. So, like, you could exactly. absolutely play into that. Yeah, and, like, you've seen her in Descendants. She can get all wicked if she needs oh, to. God, she's the highlight of Descendants. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Now, like, after I made it on my list, like, I wish I made my, the characters more diverse. Because, like, that's a criticism that I have, like, a, like that people can have. It's a very white mm-hmm. cast. Um, I also thought of, like, Troy and Abed as playing <laughs> certain roles. Because I feel like they're, they're, like their comedic timing is so good. So I think, like, either of them would be great as Cosmo. Yes. Like, those actors. Either of yes. them would be really good. Uh, Danny Pudi or Donald Glover. Um, yeah. Oh, both would be really good. I know, like, I just, I, I would honestly, like, this one is one where I, I feel like if I heard they were remaking it, I would, my first instinct would be to be angry, be like, it's fine the way it is, get your grubby hands off of it, and then I would be really excited, and then really nervous. Um, I feel like if they try to adapt, like, it would be interesting to see it in a modern time, but the thing is that the plot is about, like, Is set in movies. a time. Yeah, so, like, I feel like they would take it, like, too far when they would be like, we're going to try to change it, because now it's going to be teaching old celebrities how to be cool on the internet. You know, it's going to be something oh, like that. And it's not going to be I as good. I don't want that. I don't want that. No, no thank you. No. But yeah. That's our episode. Singing in the Rain. I'm so happy you liked yeah. it. I, it was actually like very difficult for me to watch, which is not usually an issue I have with this movie, purely because I'm on season 13 of Supernatural and I was like, I just want to find out what happens. Well, it was also just a stressful day to watch it. It's November 4th. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to puke. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And on that note, um, yeah. let me do my closing spiel that I almost forgot <laughs> to do because it's been a whole month. Um, thank yes. you so much for listening. We're so happy that you're here. You can find. You can support- <laughs> Wait, Emma, you sound like you're about to cry. <laughs> I'm always about to cry. Um, I really thought I was going to be able to get through this without breaking up, but um, I just there are a couple of ways that you can support the podcast, and that's by liking. Us. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite episode is when you laugh.
know ways you can support the podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Those do a wonderful job of boosting my mood. Um, you can also email us at hihopodcast at gmail.com. That's H-Y-H-O podcast. You can also follow us uh, on Twitter or Tumblr at hihopodcast. Also, yeah. uh, we you can find us our podcast on Spotify. We also have a Spotify account where we realized we were talking mostly about movies, and originally this was going to be a way for us to share all forms of media. So now we share music through monthly podcasts that are for me and Jenny. Uh, our theme for November was Playlist. was uh, yeah. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. How the fuck am I supposed to get through this month? Uh, how the fuck? Uh, I'm both surprised <laughs> and not surprised, and the world is on fire. Um, so mm. you can go listen to some not always loud but often loud music that has been helping us quiet our brains. Honestly, this is my favorite playlist we've made. It's, I, uh, it's a bop. It's a bop also because there is, I would say, two quiet songs, but uh, one of Jenny's quiet songs is just the most quintessential Jenny pick, and I was like, I love how authentically you love things. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Which one? Which we can tell me I after. believe. Okay. <laughs> Bless her heart for listening to this a decade later. Um. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, so we will be back in two weeks um, with my pick, and you will see what that is then. Because I will pick it by then. And it will be a really good um, time. Yeah. And to remember to like what you like, your opinion is valid. As long as it's the same as mine. Good night, everybody. It's hard to say that. It's hard to say that during the election, though, because... Anywho. Yeah, your opinion's only valid if it's the same as mine, which is we all need to be way more active uh, in, we all need to be way more politically active. Uh, The election is way too close. I haven't checked the news in two hours, and that's giving me hives. And, uh... By the time this comes out, we'll probably know. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm taking the Lord's name in vain. And different opinions are okay when you're talking about pizza toppings. If, a pizza, if it's a pizza that we don't have to share. If it's a pizza that we do have to share, then we should agree on the toppings. If it's about whether or not you think people have the right to live, uh, and you choose that that's not a deal breaker for you, get stuffed. Yeah, and yes, we are Canadian. It still affects everyone. Because Canada's okay. got issues too. We are not immune to that. Yeah. Anywho, Anyhow, have a nice evening. Have a great <laughs> night. I love you all. If you know that I'm right most of the time. Not all the time, but I'm trying. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good night! <laughs> Good night!